Hi, I'm Lauren Brennan from Spring Garden Elementary School. When I'm not busy reading, I'm listening to Get the Word Out Podcast. Welcome to Get the Word Out Podcast. Our continuing mission is to communicate and celebrate great stories of teaching and learning at the Bethlehem Area School District. We are your hosts, Laura Martin, Yvonne Zundel, and Patrick Conley. We are technology integration specialists at Bethlehem Area School District in Bethlehem, PA. I'm at the middle schools, Yvonne is at the high schools, and Patrick is at the elementary schools. This is Episode 8, The Blanket Fort. It's the end of the 2018-2019 school year. Our kids are graduating, moving on, and moving up, and there are some really exciting things happening in our district next year. Yeah, and I'm still excited about our last show with BASD Media's Tom Braun. Uh, we had a lot of buzz uh, from that show, and we spoke about one of my favorite subjects, and that's sharing what's going on at BASD. We'll do a lot of that in this show, too. Uh, I know that he is really busy lately with the BASD Empower, little uh, spoiler there, uh, BASD Empower videos, the graduation, concerts. Man, he is busy. He is very, very busy. Um, and speaking of media, how did the middle schools do this year with the What's So Cool About Manufacturing competition? I heard and saw that Northeast Middle School won something. Yes, they were the third place winners this year. They were defending first place winners from last year's state competition. And I have to say they were not at all disappointed with third because the bar has been raised. The quality mm -hmm. is just better and better every year with what the students create in um, Pennsylvania. It's a statewide competition. No, you can't That's really awesome. hide your video and not sh not show how creative you are. So, you're in for some bad luck if you do if you win first place because somebody's going to try to beat you. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. You, you just set the standard, so uh, we're going to keep trying. Hi, I'm Elisette Conwell from Dunnegan Elementary School, and now the Tech Tools segment. My tech tool this episode is Screencastify and the Screencastify add-on for Google Slides. We all love Screencastify. It is a Chrome extension that you can add to your Chrome browser. If you don't already have it, you can get it by going to the Chrome web store while you're in Google Chrome. Just search Screencastify and then click Add to Chrome. You will need to go through a few easy setup screens and basically you're ready to roll. Once you have it, you can record your voice over any screen you're viewing on your Chrome browser. It's the easiest screen recording tool out there. Record your face with the webcam, annotate, or draw on your screen for a quick and easy tutorial. A relatively new release is the ability to export an audio-only file in MP3 format. Getting back to Google Slides, there is now an easy connection between Google Slides and all of your Screencastify videos. By getting the Screencastify add-on for Google Slides, you can access any of your videos without leaving the Google Slides tab. This can really streamline the entire process of creating a slide deck with embedded tutorials. But wait, there's more. All BISD students have the premium version of Screencastify. Now students can explain how to solve a problem by screencasting over whatever is on their screens. One of my favorite things to share with teachers is FET, that's P-H-E-T, simulations. There are tons of virtual interactives and games that are mostly in the realm of STEM. 
students can use the FET simulation to build or create and explain their thinking while they are doing it. Check out the show notes where we have an example of this using the Build and Atom simulation from FET and Screencastify. Another great thing about Screencastify, it automatically saves to the Google Drive. Well, that's some great stuff, Laura. Hey, I'm going to talk about Polly. Polly is a website created by Google for users to browse, distribute, and download 3D objects. It allows developers to easily integrate 3D objects into their projects and provides users access to the object library while the app itself is running. Why did I want to talk about it? Well, number one, I'm heading out to California this summer, and I wanted to take a quick look at Yosemite National Park before I went. There's over 40 360-degree images there presented, and they're just stunning. So what people have done is they've taken their 360 cameras out there, and then I can do, go on a virtual tour. So it's, it's like an expanded web quest. Remember back in the day we used to take web quests? Yeah. Right? Yeah, I remember that. Well, now everything's grown up because now we can go to this poly site and do a web quest because I can click on something in the river and before you know it, hey, a red salmon lives there. So it's going to be a great learning tool bringing this AR and VR technology into the classroom. It just has an incredible upside. So That's- it's like when you... When you're in the web or when you're in Poly, you can actually interact with the environment that, you, that you've gone to. Yeah, That's what's different than a web quest. Yeah, it's just amazing. Um, so I'm going to bring up a tool that I've been using quite often. It's called Google Meet. Uh, do you remember Google Hangouts? Oh, yeah. Uh, well, this is the next version of the tool. You know how Google is always improving. Um, and so anyone that uses Google can set up a Meet And a meet is basically a way to interact or meet with someone online, kind of like a FaceTime, if you're familiar with that. So you can use video and audio, and you can also share your screen with each other and your computer during the meeting. And there's even a text chat area that you can have as a back channel or to share information. Um, It's really awesome. So to get started, you would just go to meet.google.com while you're logged into Google. You can create the meeting right there or join a meeting with a join code that you get from someone else. And uh, you get that link or code right when you make the meeting and you wanna invite somebody else. Also, if you use Google Calendar, you can, while you're making the event, click on add conferencing, that little button, and then select Hangouts Meet. Google Calendar will then create the meet link everyone can click on when they want to get into the meeting right from Google Calendar. Oh, no search in old emails that says, what you know, what's the link? Right. It's right there. You just say, go to the invite. Yeah. If you use that invite feature in Google Calendar where you can list all the people, just put their emails in, and then they get that invitation. Talk about simple. I know. It's so easy. Um, and then also I looked at it today, Have and this is something that you might have seen with Google Slides. Did you know that when you're giving a slide presentation uh, with Google Slides, that you can have Google Slides just create the closed captioning while you're talking? You know, it's funny you brought that up, Yvonne, because that's where Screencastify comes in. Uh-huh. Because you ha- you were talking over your Google Slide, it brings the closed captioning, and you are screen recording that at the same time, and now you have uh, basically closed caption on a 
uh, screencasted slide presentation. That's awesome. Yeah, that this all works together. So you could do that with Screencastify and you can also do this in Google Meet. So it's not that you're bringing in the slides per se, but the Google Meet has the same technology. So you just turn on the closed caption button and it will start providing that closed captioning while you're in the middle of the meeting. Like, wow. like yeah. if you if you needed to turn the volume down or, sure. you know, or if someone, you know, you need accessibility for somebody who's involved. It's perfect. And it's really quite good. Um, the accuracy is awesome. So I do like that, too, um, because I think that the Google Meet takes away a lot of the barriers that we sometimes have and it increases communication it has a potential for it that you can meet with other people even when you're not physically with them so if you have a meeting you know you don't have to drive over to oh, sure. the and maybe you can't because of your schedule or you could conduct t uh, tutoring sessions with somebody or uh, like Laura, you were saying that you used it. Yeah, I did a webinar about Google Sites with three teachers at one time, and we went through, and basically it, it, it was no different than I being in the same room with them, and they were at three different schools, so it really worked out. That's excellent. Yeah, it's yeah. a really awesome tool, and people can use it for so many different reasons. I highly recommend uh, trying it out. In fact, uh, maybe we could have a live get the word out meet uh, sometime. Sound like a good idea? Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Okay, well, we'll get on that. Um, and check out the show notes for more information on using Google Meet. Hey, uh, we had some BSD teachers that went to the Parkland Teacher Tech Con on May the 4th. May the 4th be with you. Uh-huh. Yeah, shout out to Parkland. <laughs> we had a great time there and enjoyed the hospitality and those light sabers. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. I like yeah. that. Very good. Um, yeah, I'll be the lightsaber uh, sound effects person from now on. Um, yeah, so we had a lot of fun there. Um, I really enjoyed myself. Um, and uh, But that kind of makes me think of our Summer Tech Academy coming up. Um, we had a lot of, we learned a lot there, and I know we're going to learn a lot at ours. Uh, and that's coming up this August on the 13th. We have uh, people registering. We'll have that in the show notes. Uh, where you can get more information. We'll probably talk about it a little bit in our episode later on. But I was thinking, we had so much fun at Parkland. Maybe we should have some fun at our tech conference. I think it's going to be a super time. And you will need to check your kryptonite at the door. <laughs> more details to follow. So enough about them. <laughs> The big news in the BASD is our new BASD Empower initiative. BASD Empower is the name for Bethlehem Area School District's one-to-one -one take home technology initiative whereby September 2020, all BASD secondary students will have their own district provided computing device to access blended, anywhere, anytime learning resources. To learn more about this program, go to bit.ly slash BASD Empower. There is an area for parents, for students, and for teachers that addresses most of the frequently asked questions. Thanks to Marie Bachman and Patrick Larkin for putting that website together. So what exactly is happening? So 8th, 9th, and 10th grade students will be receiving their own touchscreen Chromebook with a stylus next school year. You might be wondering, why touchscreen Chromebook? Well, touchscreens are an integral part of our world. 
you know, we have a lot of devices where touchscreen is the way that you interact with things. Many feel that this has been a stumbling block to academic communication. And some say kids are struggling with verbal communication. Well, you know, in fact, communication has increased. For good or for bad, it's easier for everyone, and it isn't going away anytime soon. So educators, as educators, it's our job to help them understand the responsibility of it, to treat others with respect and compassion. Right. It, it's, we really need to help them cultivate and manage their digital identity. Um, as teachers, we should inspire students to positive, positively contribute and to responsibly participate in the world with and without technology. So how can a touch screen enhance the learning experience? Some may say, isn't it just a substitution for a pencil and worksheet? Well, that's a good question, because today we're going to be talking with Sam Edwards and Lauren Will, two tech coaches from the Parkland School District. And they've been working with teachers and students in the one-on-one -on -one environment. They're going to share their experiences and advice on making the most out of instructing with touchscreens. We would like to welcome Sam Edwards and Lauren Will to our podcast. They are instructional tech coaches in the Parkland School District. We asked them to be on our show because their district chose touchscreen Chromebooks for their one-to-one -one program. Hey, and this is Laura Martin. Hey, Sam. Hey, Lauren. How are you doing today? Hi, good. How are you? Hi, everybody. Yvonne and I are sitting here, and we're excited to jump into our questions. Are you ready? Yeah. Absolutely. Let's go. All right. How long have you been doing your one-to-one -one at Parkland and what grades are involved? We are currently entering our third year of a three-year rollout. Uh, year one happened last year and that involved our middle schools, two of our middle schools. About 2,400 Chromebooks were issued in grades six through eight. Uh, this past year has been uh, year two. That's the high school rollout. Um, high school rollout, Lauren included, was it 3,200? Correct. 3,200 Chromebooks, grades 9 through 12. And next year will be our year three of our one-to-one -one rollout, and that's going to include elementary. Uh, K-1 to will be issued iPads, and grades 2 through 5 will be issued Chromebooks. Wow, so that's total touchscreen capability. Right. Right, yeah, including right. the iPads. Yeah, the district, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, grades grades six through twelve, one hundred percent, you know, touchscreen capabilities. Um, a little bit of a mixture right now uh, because of some of the shiftings from some of the previously used Chromebooks down to the elementary level. Uh, we're looking at um, possibly grades two and, and five to having those touch capabilities, and then filling in the gaps throughout the next couple of years. Great, great, wonderful. So. Um, We've just been talking about touchscreen capabilities. Why did your district opt to get the touchscreen Chromebook as opposed to, you know, the normal Chromebook without that capability? I think the um, creativity piece is key for the touchscreen. Uh, a lot of our students are visual learners and also hands-on. So they really like to draw things on the screen. Um, they also, for example, in our science class, they can be doing some sort of experiment and actually drawing a cell on the screen and showing what they've learned visually as opposed to auditorily, you know, or, or something like that. They really like the touch screen. Um, they also like the fact that our screens flip and they can use the cameras. 
and videotape and show things. We use Wii Video. Um, they, we also use Cami, which allows students to write directly on the screen and then submit that assignment through Schoology. So that is huge. A lot of our students love to take notes using the stylus on the screen instead of typing. And they make visual notes for themselves. They just kind of customize things. Uh, it's, it's definitely more of a personalized learning approach, I think, for us. Can I ask, um, what do they use to take notes? Because we were um, sort of experimenting with Google Keep mm -hmm. for that purpose of sketch noting. Mm -hmm. What typically or do Jamboard. you recommend or, or Jamboard? Yeah, we've used Jamboard um, a lot with ex exactly with what you're looking for is just looking for that opportunity to have um, a, a place where students, and in fact, what I love about, you know, the touchscreen capabilities is, you know, we often have math teachers that, you know, we can, we can roll out a lot of our uh, instructional tech ideas and strategies. Um, and I feel like sometimes it's just a better fit in some of the other courses outside of, of mathematics. And mm -hmm. with the touchscreen capabilities, I feel like our math teachers are utilizing that the heaviest because they have the opportunity to, as Lauren said before, take digital notes. It's, and they have that hybrid approach, which is what we love. So you have the, the opportunity for taking regular notes just by typing, but, but then also um, you have that opportunity to, you know, to write on the screen. So I've had teachers where, you know, going into a classroom, they're going over homework. And so I see, you know, a bunch of kids all squeezed up to the top of the board and um, trying to go over a problem number one, problem number two, problem number three, problem number four. And we introduced Jamboard to them. And, you know, because we have also Airtame where the, where the students can project their screens up there, now it's changed the way that homework is reviewed you know, at the beginning of a class, because the students would open up a Jamboard, they'll write out the problem that they were assigned to. And then when it's time for them to share, rather than being scrunched up in the front of the room, and you know, everybody kind of off task, they're all um, on, a, on a separate problem and, and focused. And when it's their turn to share, they just project their screen and go at it. Mm -hmm. So uh, I have a question. Those are great examples of how you're using it. And I think math is you know definitely something we've been looking at here too. Um, you mentioned creativity um, as sort of a goal for getting the uh, touch screen. Can you talk a little bit about that? Um, well, I was thinking about them drawing like the cell uh, diagram or photosynthesis or things like that. Um, we've also got some music teachers using it um, to draw and you know use their music notes, things like that. Even art class, for example, is using it, um, kind of a storyboard for English. If they're doing a novel, they might script out, you know, part of the story, things like that. So we've had a lot of creativity, especially towards the end of this year when teachers and students have gotten used to using the stylus and actually drawing on the board. And we've got a lot more teachers now using Cami and making maybe an open-ended question within Cami, and then allowing the students to have a choice in how they answer that particular question. They could draw it, they could use a formula, whatever, you know, something like that. And from Lauren said too, I mean, you know, exactly spot on and having that opportunity for students, if, if you think about it, they're on their phones constantly, or phones or iPads and stuff. They're used to that touch screen. They're used to navigating um, their devices that way. So it's something that there's a, there's a comfort level there. 
So now, you know, if we offer this opportunity for teachers to be able to utilize this feature in their classrooms, well, now students are extremely comfortable with it and it kind of breaks down a little bit of the wall. So, you know, they can become more creative and they they are adventurous because they, they know exactly how to navigate that. And I really identified what what you said earlier about math teachers, one of the things I always dreamt of was having iPads in the classroom and the kids being able to show their work mm-hmm. with an iPad with actually a um, a device that could create legible mm-hmm. writing and, and I, this works very well for that. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I know you mentioned that teachers, you know, getting used to the devices and so forth. I think uh, we're going to have a little bit of that too here at Bethlehem, but was there any kind of training or exposure for teachers to the touchscreen and the capabilities? Yeah, I mean, just overall, just Chromebook training in general, we've offered academies um, through our our Parkland um, professional development network and um, offered those opportunities. But then when we looked at the big picture, we thought, well, you know, why not have the opportunity for, you know, some of our paras and our classroom aides and teacher assistants and stuff to have that same experience. And so what we did was, you know, you know, we, we're not experts in everything and, uh, but the kids are. And so what we looked at is doing kind of a, a little bit of a flip session. And we actually had a student come in um, last year and do the training on Chromebooks for all the teacher assistants, paras and aides and stuff. And just to give them an opportunity to say, okay, well, this is, this is how we're going to use it. This is how we're using our Chromebook. Since you're working with us, you know, directly, um, sometimes on a one-to-one or small group um, basis, this is, this is exactly how you navigate this device. So we've offered trainings, you know, you know, obviously Parkland Academies that we have, they're, they're all optional. Um, I think, um, you know, we, we had some teachers that took advantage of that. Lauren, how did you, up at the high school, did you have the same? I was going to say that I, I wish, honestly, that we would have done a little bit more with the training on the physical Chromebook. Yes. We just handed them out to our students right before school started, and we didn't let our teachers look at them unless they signed up for those academies. So we had some that were a little bit uh, afraid of how does this actually work? How can I uh, incorporate this into my classroom? So I think that in hindsight, we probably could have done a better job at, you know, exposing our teachers to the actual device and how it actually works. I think we did a good job with training them as far as things they could do now that their kids have online access. We took them through a course, a Schoology course, and Sam's group did this the year before. Uh, where they had to, they were exposed to Google Docs, for example, uh, or Google Suite, I should say, um, Schoology, um, uh, different formative assessments that were online, like Kahoot or Edpuzzle or Nearpod or things like that. So we did a great job in training them that way, but I think we could have done some additional training on using the actual device and how it works. Good point, definitely. We, um, from a student perspective, um, we also had, uh, the, we call it the care and feeding of a Chromebook. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that mm-hmm. talked about how to, um, how to how to navigate some of those things, but also like your responsibility for charging. Um, you know, when is it appropriate to take out your Chromebook? Is it appropriate to bring it into the locker rooms? Um, things like that. Just, just really key, um, accepting the responsibility piece of it. And mm-hmm. you know, we thought that was important too. But, you know, as Lauren said before, probably, you know, a hybrid approach of getting the teachers and the students more training would have been, um, you know, 
definitely moving forward, we're looking at that at the elementary level. Um, we actually, at the elementary level, we have, as I, as I mentioned before, grades two through five will have their Chromebooks. Grade five um, will be the only grade that has the opportunity to take a Chromebook home, but they cannot take the Chromebook home until they complete a, a digital citizenship course which will include care and feeding of your Chromebook. How do you take care of it? How do you, you know, the responsibility piece of it, but then also looking at cyber safety because this is the first time that they're going to have this opportunity to be completely connected. And we need to make sure that we're emphasizing not only from our perspective, but from the parent's perspective, that balance is going to be key. So when is it appropriate to use? When is it appropriate? When do you need to put it away? Um, and, and making sure that, you know, the, the students truly understand that piece of it. Right. That's a lot of great advice. And is there anything else? Um, I mean, I'm just taking it all in. <laughs> any, any other advice? Is there anything, um, you know, hey, I'm going to remember that for next time. Yeah. Um, I, I think like, you know, when we looked at this from Parkland Ready 21 and, and Lauren and I were, you know, active members of, of that group that we had, um, we, it was important for us not just to, to focus on the device, but focus on the, to keep, keep the focus on the pedagogy, keep mm -hmm. the focus on, you know, teaching and learning and, you know, what teachers, you know, want to roll out. And, and Lauren, I know, you know, especially had good experiences up at the high school with this, you know, it's, it's not about changing what they're doing. It's about enhancing the opportunity for students. And, and that was always going to be our focus. Yeah. It's a tool again, not, you know, something to force on them. Fantastic. Um, we'd like to thank you both. Yeah, for thank you. This is great information and great uh, food for thought and how we're moving forward. We always appreciate the collaboration with, with you both and, and the district. It's Anytime. Likewise. Likewise. We, uh, Anytime. We're always knocking, we're always always knocking on your door and share information. <laughs> we love it. Let's hit Music Fest again. Okay, Pear Deck is a perfect example of why using touch screens can assist with learning. Uh, students can complete a problem in a low anxiety environment. So I'm thinking back to when I was a math teacher and kids, um, even though I would promote a safe classroom where, you know, it was about everyone having a say and, and valuing the questioning learning process, still sometimes it was just too much for, for kids to really come up to the board. So when using Pear Deck, um, teachers can actually have students work on a problem and see what's happening right then and give them immediate feedback without necessarily calling them out or talking about who made the mistake. Um, they want to ask the question, and there's probably about five kids in the same room that have the same question, but they don't want to let the cat out of the bag that they don't understand. Yep. So Pear Deck is a way that using the touch screen and the stylus, they can actually write the problem, show their process, and the teacher can see every students work without having them come up to the board or waiting till the next day until they complete homework and you have a chance to correct it yeah. and all that. It's a more immediate that feedback. Um, yeah. Yes. It, it promotes a classroom culture that's positive and the touch screen just makes that whole math process more visible. Uh, so I would be really all over that if I were still teaching math. Yeah, and another reason why uh, I think we went with the Chromebook with a touch screen is really to keep in step with the more current technology out there. 
Uh, we actually have some apps and we know that new apps are coming out all the time uh, that will utilize that technology. And we want to be ready for these new applications and these new ways that students will have the capability to show their thinking or, or use these things in new creative ways. Another reason I'm excited about the new Chromebook is the world-facing camera. So the Lenovo 500e has two cameras. There's one on the lid facing you when you're using it in normal mode. And then there's a second camera called the world-facing camera that allows you to take videos and photos while being held like a tablet. Oh, yeah. That's yep. really going to give uh, apps like WeVideo um, even more uh, capability in life with the new Chromebooks. Right. Yep. I mean, they, there is a free WeVideo we app that you can put on your phone or iPad, but, and, and then that would be a great way of filming um, or you know, taking the video, but now they can just flip the Chromebook around. Perfect. And use the same Chromebook that they're using to create the video and film it like it's it's a perfect match. Yep. You know, enhancements too on that is let's take Google Keep. Love it. Use it on my phone. Use it on my computer. But now you can use Google Keep. Uh, you have the ability to make art, draw an answer, solve a problem, sketch noting, sketch noting. I took a class uh, or went to a seminar on that at uh, Petsy this year, Pete and C. Uh, we hear about uh, how hard it is to take notes by hand, but it's not. Processing the information as a writer and not transcribing it. Uh, you can write notes so that you can remember things. Create your understanding. Focus on content. Retain information. It's just more efficient because there's less typos. It's hard to lose notes. And, of course, now you're working on motor skills again. Yeah, I know um, I was playing with it the other day thinking if if I had this when I was in college, all those diagrams I drew about the Krebs cycle yeah. uh, might actually sure. have not gotten lost or, you know, I would have been able to save it all to a Google Doc and even collaborate with other people on it because yeah. Keep also has that capability to share it with others and work on one Keep note. Right. I mean, I know that I don't take notes by hand anymore because... I lose them. And yep. if it's in my drive, it's there and organized. Have you ever seen a seventh grader's locker? <laughs> sure you have. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Have you seen my drive? No. <laughs> True. <laughs> um, so the grid lines, uh, yeah. that has possibilities also for, again, I always go back to the mathematics, but um, I'm, I'm sure many other things that you might want to use uh, grid lines for. Um, and then the assistive technology, in, in addition to being able to convert handwritten text into actual um, type text. Yes. Right. Yep. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, that was neat. That's, that's a new feature. Um, and also, uh, when you're working in a Google Doc or a slide, you can bring up on the right-hand side while you're in the slide your Google Keep. Yep. And you can just slurp it right into that new document that you're working on. So it's like it's right there, right next to you. Right. It's so it's integrated. Yep. Yep. What about that Jamboard, Patrick? I'd tell you, Jamboard, similar to Google Keep, but more of a collaborative writing environment. The environment is more like a paint environment, and while Keep is an object-oriented environment. Right. In uh, Jamboard, you know, you can add text via a sticky note. You can add images. And it works on a mobile version. It's just like Keep is. You can add something from your Google Drive. 
Hopefully that's coming to yeah. the web version soon. Oh, that's the, on the web version, yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, so two clicks, boom, something comes in from my drive. Maybe I took a screenshot. Maybe I have a doc that I want to put right in there. And before you know it, everyone's using it. It's a, it's a whiteboard environment to annotate or manipulate with drawing tools. Right. I mean, you could have uh, Google Slides and you can pull it into Jamboard. You can have one slide, two slides, three slides and annotate right on top of it. Draw right on top of Very it. Nice. I've, I've seen that on the mobile device version. Hopefully that's coming soon. And I know that that's something they use at Parkland. So the big uh, question of the day is, uh, you know, we called this episode the blanket fort. And uh, <laughs> the train is about to stop right now because our blanket fort is a train, I believe. And we went yeah. from L.A. to uh, San Francisco or maybe New York to D.C. Because we're in our <laughs> own little fort right now. Yeah, I loved blanket forts. Well, well, you'd have to see it to really understand what it is. But well, why are we? So, OK, I came in and I was talking to Laura. I think we should bring in comforters. And Laura was probably thinking, why would we do that? Yes, why? Why are we doing... So we actually are in a blanket fort right now for our listeners. Uh, Because it it deadens the echo in a room uh, and produces higher quality sound when we're talking. I mean, we're not like completely engulfed, but nearly engulfed by blankets. This blanket fort cost, what, maybe $12.50? Yeah. And, uh, we had some help from teachers. It's like a $50,000 recording studio room. Yeah, we'll, we'll hear from you what you think about it. But we were thinking about blanket forts. As a metaphor for yeah. um, remixing and something that if you think back when you were a kid, everybody probably did this. You, you found some blankets or some sheets and you put it over the dining room table and you made a blanket fort. And that blanket fort could be anything. It, it, it could be, you know, it could be a cave. It, it could be um, a house. It a could fort. Be, it could be a fort. fort. Right. I, yeah. I, I made forts. Right. And, <laughs> and the point of that is is that you have to sometimes take things you have and remake them reimagine and yeah. think about what else it could be and not just keep making it the same thing every time so we, it's we, not always a blanket no no sometimes it's a cloak of um invisibility, invisibility. <laughs> yeah, whatever looking for that word right yeah, not the silence because totally we're not silent so the the blanket fort will have to develop this metaphor. <laughs> yeah, I think so. But yeah. I think I think it, we were thinking we were saying what is this going to be called? And we really need to put on our caps and imagine. Yeah. You know that's well, really what we're here to inspire is just the imagination of what are the possibilities? What can we do? Right. We're getting these new tools in the fall, and what can we do with them? Are we just going to, you know, hop on them and, you know, business as usual? Or are we going to think about, hmm, how can this change instruction? How can this change uh, student interaction and learning? And maybe reinvent what we've been doing. And um, and not everything, but right. maybe a few little things. Sure. So the blanket fort. I think we were successful. I think so, too. It's getting a little hot in here. It is. Check out our show notes for pictures of our blanket fort, if you don't believe us. Right. We are above 
and not beyond being embarrassed. So no. It's okay with us. You can laugh. So, so see, see everybody next time. Yes. So thanks to Sam Edwards and Lauren Will from Parkland School District for sharing their wisdom with us. Uh, it was greatly appreciated, and we love uh, talking with them in Parkland. Yes, excellent. All right, we'll see everybody next time, right? Hi, I'm Kim Van Orden from East Hills Middle School. Catch the Get the Word Out podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, and at bit.ly slash B-A-S-D-G-T-W-O.